Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. One of the challenges of that was I said Yvette should make me cry. Yeah. And she actually didn't. I failed. But she cried. Why did you cry about that? Oh, fuck's sake. Yeah, the reason that I cried, um, especially the first time, I cried twice. Um, the reason I started welling up the first time is when you were telling me about your uh, Guessing Better series. Mm. And because when I read that, uh, they're great articles, but I didn't realise that was the first time that you were reaching out for help. Because if anyone reads them, they're very eloquent, they're very well put together. And I just naturally assumed that you'd already sort of had at least conversations with your family or friends or something um, that had got you to a position where you were sort of more, I don't know, you were just sort of a, kind of okay about it. So I didn't realise that it was right at that moment when you were just literally getting help completely for the first time and you're writing about it. It's mentally yours from Ellen and Yvette A podcast on your mental health you surely won't regret It's mentally, 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 mentally yours Mentally yours Mentally yours Hi everyone and welcome to Mentally Yours, Metro.co.uk's weekly mental health podcast. I'm Yvette. And I'm Ellen. And this week we're talking about me. Woo! Yes, this is the second of our very personal interviews uh, with the hosts of Mentally Yours. That is myself. Uh, we did the one with me last week and now I'm getting to interview Ellen Scott. If you listened last week, which I hope you did because it was very interesting... Um, you'll know that the reason we're doing this is because the whole reason we started the podcast is because we both struggle from mental illness and we wanted to help people feel less alone. Each week we talk to a guest about their mental health journey, but we've never really sat down and spoken about our own personal stuff. So that's why we're doing it. Absolutely. So last week I was chatting about my bipolar disorder and this week I'll be chatting to Ellen about her anxiety, depression and OCD. Should we just start like right from the beginning? Like, when did you realise that something was up in terms of your mental health? I would say probably similarly to you, about fourteen. Um, that was when I was having what I definitely now recognise as depression. Um, I was thinking a lot about suicide. I felt very down and very shit about myself in general. Um, but at the time. I was very much like, oh, it's just being a teenager, like mood swings. Um, and also because sometimes I felt okay, I was like, well, I'm not really depressed. Like, it's fine. Um, I feel like I experienced that for many years, but didn't acknowledge it properly or do anything about it because I had my own kind of um, experience with mental health through my mum. Because my mum has depression. And when I was young, I saw her going on medication, coming off it, you know, quite 
grown-up things for a child to see, basically. So for me, I was like, well, I don't want to be like that. And also, she needs help, so I'll just kind of pretend nothing's happening. Um, and for most part, nothing did happen, so it was fine. I just felt low. Um, then when I was about 16 is when I had my first panic attack, and that was after having night terrors. Um, Do you mind if I stop with sex? So yeah. what are night terrors? So basically, night terrors are like nightmares but they're so much more vivid um and a lot of times they'll be combined with like stuff like sleep paralysis paralysis um and you'll kind of wake up in the middle and you'll be actually having a panic attack in the middle or drenched in sweat which is what i was um and that really sparked i think anxiety in general i became very like fearful of things um i was very scared about house break-ins and house fires and people killing me or killing my family and stuff like that um so they had a panic attack related to that and then started having them at school eventually got put into hypnotherapy with my, one of my mum's friends um but after a couple of sessions finished that and then again just kind of pretended everything was fine for years after so how old were you when you had hypnotherapy? Um, would have been 16. And in terms of basically all that going on and depression and panic attacks, um, were you keeping that entirely to yourself or did you ever talk to friends about it or your family or how was it sort of happening? So mm, as in terms of friends, it was difficult because... So when I was a teenager, it was like the emo period and not to like lessen the experience of what was happening but everyone I know was self-harming that was just the thing everyone was listening to my chemical romance and posting really quite messed up lyrics as their MSN what's it called the I little... don't know because I'm not the MSN generation oh, this is oh. embarrassing you're so forgetting like... I'm an old lady <laughs> like it's so... like, there like a profile thing or... yeah so you'd have your name and then underneath you'd have like your mood okay or if you were edgy you'd just do like a lyric and everyone I know would be, like, posting, like, stuff about suicide as their lyrics. Mm -hmm. So it was very normal to me to be doing that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. So I would not actually really mention that I was doing it, but I would be helping other friends. They'd be like, oh, I'm self high. I'd be like, oh, don't do that. Like, get some help, blah, blah, blah. Um, so, yeah, in terms of friends, like, we were talking about it, but not really talking about the fact that I was doing that. Mm. And then in terms of parents, it wasn't until I had my first panic attack that I spoke to my mum about any of it. And that's because uh, I had a panic attack at school and basically didn't know what was going on and thought I was, like, dying. Mm -hmm. um, I remember I was just sitting in the library doing, like, some maths homework. Um, started feeling, like, my heart pounding. So got them to ask their head teacher and just was like, I need help. I don't know what was happening. Um, and they call my mom. She recognised what was going on because she's had panic attacks before. And then that's when she was like, well, we'll just send you to a hypnotherapist and that will help. How were your teachers in terms of panic attacks and mental health? I don't think they were aware of it, to be honest. I think a lot of my teens and early adulthood was me just kind of squashing stuff down. I was very good and still am quite good at just going, okay, I'm going to have a panic attack or I'm going to feel awful, so I'll just kind of take myself out of this situation so no one can see what's happening. Um, so I don't think any of my like lesson teachers would have known that I was going through any of that. Um, I'm trying to think of any of them ever... I think the only one that was really like seeking out mental health was when I was studying psychology. And that was it. Mm. Like, none, none of the others were aware that anything was happening or spoke about anything mm. along that topic. Because you were kind of keeping it to yourself. Yeah, for sure. Like, I was just kind of like, it's... I think a lot of me was just like, it's none of anyone's business. Mm. I could handle it. Mm. It's fine. I'll just focus on, like, getting my schoolwork done, boys, yeah, etc. Yeah. I was like, I don't really have the time to be dealing with this, and I don't even think there's anything really wrong. Mm -hmm. So, whatever. How did you find the hypnotherapy? Um, I found it really helpful. It was definitely 
interesting in terms of how much it relaxed me and how much it helped when I was actually being hypnotized. But it was combined with, so it's basically like half an hour of hypnotherapy and half an hour of like talking therapy. Mm -hmm. I found it very difficult to talk to that hypnotherapist because I knew that she knew my mum. Right. So I was like, I can't really be open and honest about everything because she's just going to talk to my mum about it. Mm -hmm. Or she'll say, oh no, your mum's not like that. Like, I know her. Mm -hmm. So it didn't really feel very helpful in that way because I couldn't be completely honest about mm. what was happening um, and then on my second session um, I seemed more relaxed so she basically said okay I think you're fine oh. you don't need any further services and because also I knew it was costing my mum money I was very happy to be like yeah let's finish now mm. I don't want to spend more money on this like I think it must have been like a hundred quid per session and mm. that's a lot of cash for my mum to be spending and not really seeing any benefit so I was just like, okay, we'll stop. It's fine. If you say I'm relaxed, then I'll, I'll be relaxed. It's fine. It's cool. So that was when you were 16. Yeah. What happened next in terms of uh, mental health stuff? So for the next few years, university, I would say I definitely felt a moments and like bouts of depression. Like there would be months of depression and stuff like that. Um, I wasn't having panic attacks as much anymore, which was really handy. But again, I just kind of thought, this is normal, low mood. I was like, everyone thinks about clearing themselves. Like, everyone feels sad. It's it's nothing. Um, and during that time, I was, you know, in a relationship that was going well. I was uh, doing my degree, focused on that. Again, it wasn't, there was never any thought of, oh, I should maybe get help for this. Or like something else is a bit wrong here. It was just... I'm focused on getting what I need to get done, done. Mm. And that's it. As long as I can still do that, then it's fine. And then after that is when it started to become a problem. And that's because I started having panic attacks at work at my old job. Um, and my assumption at that time was like, well, the reason I'm doing that is because I don't like this job. It's not what I want to do. So I'll quit, go to my dream job, which is the one I'm in now. And it'll be fine. And I was like, okay, great. That will sort it out. So I did that. But then I started having panic attacks at this job as well. And I was like, well, this doesn't make any sense because this isn't high stress. It wasn't at that point. Um, I should be happy. I should be fine. Nothing is going wrong. Why am I still having this and feeling like this? Still ignored it because that's just what I do. Then I started experiencing what I can now see were symptoms of OCD. But at the time, it was just like, again, it's just normal stuff. Like, oh, I'll go to bed, but I think I left the door open. So I'll go down and check, go back to bed. But like, actually, no, I didn't close the door. Go and check again. And then do that about 10 times. Um, and same with, like, house fires, like, switching things off and being very concerned that, you know, maybe someone's left a candle burning, so I better check every single room in the house and stuff like that. Um but it wasn't until I was having kind of consistent panic attacks at work and then coming home and doing nothing apart from eating McDonald's in bed, crying, thinking about just like, everything's pointless, I hate this. It's like, this is, like, this isn't healthy. I can't keep pretending that it's normal. Um, and I can't keep saying, well, I don't have OCD because it's, you know, I don't believe that God is going to, like, kill my family or anything or... I don't have OCD because I'm very clean or like I don't have depression because sometimes I'm happy I realise that no this isn't what everyone's going through there is something wrong mm. um, I do actually need to get help for it mm. and that was only about two yeah two years ago now mm -hmm. so I must have been 23 mm -hmm. and that's when I actually went to a doctor and said yeah I'm not good mm. right now what initially gave you the idea that you might have OCD? Was that from articles or...? That was from an article. And that is because I think it was actually on Refinery29. And the reason it was such, like, a light switch was because this girl in particular said that she didn't have OCD all the time. Like, she would experience, it, experience symptoms when she was really stressed or really tired, which is exactly what I had been experiencing. But I thought that because it wasn't all the time, I didn't have it. I was like, well, if you have OCD, you feel like this constantly. Now what I recognise is that 
I won't experience those symptoms if I'm not looking after myself properly or if I'm not on medication. It, they'll start to emerge and become more strong. Reading that, and also I think she specifically had stuff about security and checking. I was like, this is exactly what I'm feeling. And this person is calling it OCD. So maybe that's what I have as well. I think also I read a lot about other people speaking very honestly about depression and me thinking, yep, that's that's what's happening. And coming to terms with the fact that it's like... It's okay for me to just admit this and admit that it's happening. Um, but in terms of actually getting help, the only reason I did that was because I got to a point where I was like, I was thinking about I need to go to hospital like every day. Like I just didn't want to be here anymore. I didn't want to do anything anymore. Um, and I remember I was in a pitch meeting for lifestyle content and they were talking about how we wanted to do more emotional stuff. And I was like being very shy not wanting to say anything I was like what about if I wrote about the fact that I am severely depressed and that was the first time I kind of said that out loud and they're like yeah definitely like what we should do is like maybe go through the journey of like getting help and I was like yeah yeah that sounds really good and I was like fuck now I actually go have to go and do that because I've promised that I'm going to write some articles about what it's like to go through therapy and that is literally the thing that pushed me to actually go to the doctor because I promised okay yeah, I'll get an article done. Mm. And that's it. Are you getting emotional? I am getting emotional <laughs> because I've read your Getting Better series. That's yeah. what we call them in the end, isn't it? Yeah, that's so what that was. Was that with Holly originally that, she, that you talked? Yes, that was Holly. But the meeting was actually with Alex and everyone else because I remember it was after Alison had left and before Holly had joined. Mm -hmm. And that was, like, I think my biggest hit at that time had been uh, not escaping. <laughs> which if people don't know I love how we've segued into this okay is when you put your um testicles in front of a landscape and take a picture so what I'm the reason I mention that is because saying in a meeting I want to write about severe depression was out of character and I think not expected um and I remember when I, the second I said it, I was like, what the fuck have you just done? I felt so stupid and so like exposed. But clearly, I think if you, if you're thinking about kind of like a cry for help, I would say that was a cry for help, but to myself. Mm -hmm. It was me saying, actually admitting finally, like something is wrong. I need to do something. And I made myself accountable by saying I'd write about it. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, then I went to a doctor, got put on medication started being very open about it publicly by writing about it on the internet and then yeah that's where i am now basically mm. two years later so you're guessing better series mm. how many do you know how many articles you did in that roughly it went for a year and it was once a week so at least 52 yeah so you did all of those um for those who haven't read them um do you mind just explaining like the the initial one sort of going to the doctor what that conversation was like Yes. I'm trying to remember if the first one... I think the first one was, like, how I actually realised that I needed help. Um, and I wrote that, and it was probably the most personal thing I've ever written, because, like I said, it's not nutscaping. Um, and hitting... I think, yeah, I would have hit publish on that. I was wondering if someone had to stop it first. Hitting publish on that was absolutely terrifying, um, I remember thinking, like, oh, my God, I'm going to get fired. Um, everyone's going to treat me completely differently. Uh, I'm just going to ruin everything, basically. Um, but that didn't happen. Instead, I got immediately a lot of messages from strangers and also people that I worked with but had never actually properly spoken to saying, like, thank you so much for writing this. Like, this is exactly how I feel and I'm going to get help. And I was like, okay, wow, like, just being honest is going to actually help people mm. um and that's really what made me think okay I do actually need to do this series properly mm -hmm. and give it a proper go and also actually help myself before I'm you know suggesting others do mm. because also just in terms of like I said accountability I think I needed that series to actually look after myself because I knew that people were watching mm -hmm. and they were reading and like checking in on me and if I wasn't actually getting better they would know and be like what are you doing like you Come said you're doing this like, where's this week's one yeah and like also because it's called getting better like yeah. if I was continuing to be absolutely miserable they'd be like 
what on earth is going on? I knew that it had to be a weekly thing. So I had to make progress. I had to actually call the doctor. I had to keep taking my medication and, you know, keep note of how I was feeling. Um, yeah, it made a massive difference. And I, I still think that if I hadn't done that series, I wouldn't have got better. I would have probably, if I had gone to the doctor in the first place, would have given up after a few months, wouldn't have pushed for therapy. Would have just gone back to normal. Mm. So when you went to the doctor, yeah. did you go in and say, I think I might have OCD? Or did you say, basically, look, here's this stuff that's happened? What was the conversation? I did not mention OCD at all during that chat. Um, because in my mind, I was like, I'll leave that for another time. I was like, I, I still don't really understand that. So I'll just kind of put it to one side and just deal with the depression stuff. Because so I was like, I still don't fully believe I have OCD at that point. I do now. Um, but I know for sure that wanting to kill myself is not normal. So I just went in and said, look, I think I have depression. Here are my symptoms. I had them written down. Um, I said, this is how I feel. Uh, I think they asked, you know, how likely are you to take your own life? And I was like, well, that's, that's a weird number. Oh, did you get that lovely form they give you sometimes? No. Oh. Is there a form? Well, there's, um, there's kind of like a scale. It's really fun. It's like, yeah, there's a form. Which, which has these lovely questions about... I think they do a scale, like, on a scale of 1 to 10, basically. It feels like, on a scale of 1 to 10, how likely are you to kill yourself? Yeah, and it's they asked me like, that for sure. Yeah. And also they were asking, you know, how many days of the past week have you felt like this? I'd be like, every day. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, OK. Um, and I remember the doctor was brilliant, which is lucky. And he was just like, I, it sounds like you're depressed. Like, it sounds like you have needed help for quite some time. Um, well done for coming and talking. And I remember he said something specific that was really helpful for me, which was that he said, right now you're in your worst point. And in a couple of years, you will look back and be like, I can't believe I was doing that for so long. I was like, okay. And he was like, it genuinely will get better and you will start to take this medication. You'll see how much better you can feel um so yeah the actual conversation was terrifying but immediately it felt like something was getting done i got a prescription that day i knew i could take the pills the day after um they warned me at that time like therapy might take a bit longer but just knowing like i've actually gone and i've finally admitted it and got some medication was a huge thing mm. did you take did you take the medication straight away? Yeah. So I immediately was like, yep, I'm going to take it and just give it a go. See what happens. Read through all the side effects, which are horrifying. Yeah, terrifying, yeah. Um, blindness, increased risk of suicide. Mm, that's um, a great one to read, isn't it, when you're already feeling suicidal? Absolutely yeah. great. But I think at that point, similar to you, I was just tired of it. Like, it was just boring. I was so fed up of doing the same thing over and over again and coming home and being miserable. So I was just like, oh, what? I'll try anything at this point. I'm just fed up. So even with those side effects, I was like, I'll just try it. Like, it can't get any worse than it is right now. So called, um, I think I messaged my brother, actually, and said, by the way, I'm supposed to tell people if I'm taking these pills, so just FYI. And he was like, okay, fine. Um, so I taking them. Noticed a couple of side effects in the beginning, but kept going. What were the side effects? Um, really bad shakes. That's something that for the first six weeks I was having a lot of. If I walked up and downstairs, I'd be completely shaking. Um, and I would get tremors kind of throughout the day, which is obviously a scary thing. Um, what else? Extreme dry mouth. I still have that, which is why I drink so much water now, which is good. Um, what else? I felt I had a lot of energy. And then I would feel suddenly very tired. My sleep was completely messed up so I would be able to stay up later be awake throughout the day but if I sat down for a minute I would fall asleep mm -hmm. I was falling asleep everywhere like I remember I just started dating Chris who's my boyfriend now um at the time and I would go on a date with him sit on the sofa and just pass out like he was getting really irritated but it's just I couldn't help it it was just overwhelming okay you're asleep now it's done and that lasted for a while but eventually it did kind of yeah, I would say after about six weeks or so, it settles. And then I just felt like, oh, this is incredible. 
And I also noticed that the OCD symptoms were completely, not completely gone, but very significantly reduced. So mm. I was like, I don't need to bring this up now, so it's fine. Mm. So have you stayed on those meds? Yes, I increased the dose um, about six or seven months in because they suddenly weren't as effective so when I say not as effective so my OCD symptoms were decreased and then after a few months they suddenly were popping up again and I noticed myself getting very um, concerned about stoves being left on or I was just checking I noticed myself checking a lot more than I should have been Um, and that's when I went back to the doctor and said so you know I mentioned depression I think also there might be this going on um and describe my symptoms and I was like I don't think it's OCD because you know sometimes it's not there sometimes it is he was like yeah that sounds like OCD he was like thankfully the medication you're on should help with that but let's increase your dosage and see what happens did that and that seems to be like the magic Mm. magic amount and that's massively helped the Mm. OCD symptoms will pop up now and again but that's it how do you feel about meds now? Do you feel like it's something you'll be on forever or you're not really sort of worried oh, about it? Or? I am worried about it because my doctor has said himself, like, we should look at weaning you off. Mm-hmm. Um, that, to me, is terrifying because... So part of my reluctance to take medication in the first place was seeing my mum go on it and sometimes she would feel better. So she would come off and then she would crash. I remember feeling really frustrated watching her do that cycle and I didn't want to get into the same thing. So that's why I didn't take medication. When I eventually did take it, very fearful of coming off it because I'm like, well, I'm going to crash again. Mm-hmm. Um, why does your doctor want you to come I off think at some point? essentially the view with antidepressants is it's meant to be, or they think it's meant to be, a kind of short-term solution. You're depressed right now, so we'll put you on a course for six months. And they will come off and you'll be, you'll have learned things that will help you through it next time. Um, So their view is, you know, you shouldn't really be on it for longer than six months. The fact that I've been on it for two years, they say it's great that it's still helping, but ideally you should be able to reduce and then eventually come off them and, you know, be back to normal Mm -hmm. um, with the skills that you would have theoretically learned in therapy and through just living. Okay, so we need to talk about therapy now, don't yes. we? Because if they're saying, right, we need to get you off pills, yeah. like you do also need to have the support of a therapist or sort of ideas of how to manage yes. your life and your mood and whatnot um, without the chemical stuff. Yes. So h- tell me about that. So therapy, when I got prescribed antidepressants, they said at the time, because I was very insistent, I was like, I, I'm fine with taking antidepressants, but I really need therapy. That's very important to me. They said, if you want to do uh, real-life therapy with an actual person sitting on a sofa, mm. um, that will take at least six months waiting period. Okay, that's insane, first yeah. of all. What was their other option? Because okay. Well, the other option was, if you want to do online therapy through this thing called Big White Wall, you can do video therapy with someone, and with that, you'll be in a couple of weeks. So I was like... Oh. Obviously, the online one then, Mm -hmm. surely, because I want help now. Like, Mm -hmm. I need it now. Um, It ended up being about six months waiting period for the online, Mm -hmm. which is, you know, the state of mental health as it is right now. How did you find therapy sort of via a computer, first of all? Um, Not for me. I think a lot of online therapy is dependent on you doing the work, and I was not ready to do that work Mm. I would show up for the session do the session kind of fake being okay fake being better than I was and then that was it there's a part on big white wall which could definitely be helpful for people but for me was just like this is weird I don't like it where you're supposed to make a brick for the wall so you get like a white rectangle and you can write on it how you feel or draw or whatever. And then it becomes like your wall of emotions. Okay, sorry, I'm, ra- I'm yeah. raising my eyebrows. I don't know I'm doing that. No one can see that on the podcast, but okay. Like for some people, I'm sure that's helpful. For me, I was just like, this feels weird. It felt like a school assignment. Yeah, yeah, it just wasn't, I wasn't up for it. Also on my first online session, she said to me explicitly, because I kind of explained everything that I was going through and what I wanted help with. She goes, well, I don't really deal with OCD symptoms. 
so I can't help with that. Um, anxiety I can do a bit of. Social anxiety is what I think we should focus on. I was like, but social anxiety is fine. I can just not go out as much. Like, that's fine. My issue really is the depression and the OCD. And she was like, I, I'm just not qualified what? to really help with that. What's that. So she didn't help you with depression either? A uh, bit with depression, but it was mostly focused on anxiety. She said very clearly OCD is just not her area. Oh, my God. Um, so in terms of anxiety, she was actually quite good because... That's what she knew about. Yeah, that's what she knew about. And yeah, it, but if you had, I don't know, if you had a leg problem, you wouldn't then go to a, I don't know, a heart doctor, would you? Or exactly. A- um, so yeah, it didn't help. And then as a result, I didn't take it seriously. I was cancelling sessions because I was just like, there's no point in this. I don't mm. need to know how I can interact with people at the pub. Right now, I need to know, okay, what do I do if I cannot sleep because I'm sure that the house is going to burn down? Mm-hmm. Or what can I do if I feel like I'm going to kill myself? What should I do at that point? Mm-hmm. And she wasn't able to help with that. Mm-hmm. You only get um, six sessions through that prescription anyway. So I think I went to the... I attended online the first four and then missed the last two because I was just like, this is pointless. Um, went back to my doctor and said, any chance of... IRL therapy and he was like no now it would be at least a year oh my Um, god so yeah not great but after that is when I went private and that was really helpful Mm. because that was actually tackling what I needed help with not just social anxiety Mm. yeah just like I'm just so angry I know the state of the NHS it's dreadful I mean I know it's not like it's not the people who are working for the NHS's fault is it but I mean it's just like the funding yeah I mean also, just the fact that you had six sessions, yeah. that makes me so angry because I hear that so much from other people. You know, like they've gone to the doctor, they've said, look, I'm suffering from depression. And if they're lucky, you're right, they get a set of sessions. But it's just like, all right, I'll have these few sessions, then I'm fixed. Yeah. It's like, yeah, sorry. So, so it makes not, me very angry. But this is not about me. <laughs> no, but it's enraging. Like, I feel the same. And I feel more angry because I was in a position where I could afford private therapy i have a full-time job um i have parents that offered to help even though i didn't accept that because you know independent blah blah Mm. um not everyone is like that and also a lot of people are going through much more serious stuff than maybe i was i'm i was having depression and ocd and anxiety but it wasn't so debilitating that I wasn't able to go to work Mm. I was still able to do those kind of things I was on medication that was helping Um, I was able to get private therapy there are people who have much more severe disorders who get nothing Mm. and once their limited session runs out they're just left left Mm. to it that's what really pisses me off and is scary for me as well because the fact that if you are seriously suicidal for longer than six sessions you're just left like mm-hmm. you're just on your own and it's uh, or know. presumably you go to the sort of the other sort of side of things and you end up um being sectioned yeah and, exactly which for some people would probably be quite a scary experience in itself um you know just the idea of it so um but tell us about private therapy so you, you met therapy. someone in real life yes met someone in real life went to them for a few months they were quite helpful um i had a couple of issues with them one was that they weren't particularly internet savvy which doesn't seem like a big problem but because so much of my life revolves around the internet Mm. it's actually quite important for my therapist to understand that Mm -hmm. so in terms of those i remember when i was getting quite serious abuse for an article i'd done and explaining that to her and her not really getting it Mm. just being like well just log off twitter (laughs) no um and stuff like i was explaining how there was pressure to bring in traffic online and she'd be like oh i thought you wrote for a magazine it's like no it's a website and it's just small things like that it's like i don't i need someone who gets what i'm dealing with and what i'm upset up against Mm. the second thing was i was still not really confident that I had OCD or I had depression or any of these things I had gone to a doctor and been prescribed those medication for it and they'd said yeah it sounds like that but I didn't have an official diagnosis and this therapist didn't want to give me that um she was very much like well why why do you need a diagnosis why is it important to you let's analyze that 
which is frustrating when you just want I want to know what's going on Mm. Um, but beyond that she was great like she was very helpful at helping me kind of go through some of my triggers and go through a lot of unhealthy behaviors that I was doing that weren't helping my mental state Um, and that stuff was life-changing because it completely changed how I perceive myself how I understand what's happening with my brain because before it was very much um I'm depressed or I have OCD symptoms it's out of control I don't know what to do now I can see why it might be happening Mm. and what I can do in those kind of crisis situations to help myself a bit can you pick out a few of those just so people yeah, can so get it? Yeah, so I now know that stress and lack of sleep will bring out OCD symptoms. And I can notice that quite quickly now because it's something that I think I ignored before, especially when I was younger. I was just like, oh, it's not that serious. Like, I can do a few late nights or whatever. Or I can mm. stay late at work. I can't. Mm. Like, it's not even just a few late nights will bring all that stuff back up Mm -hmm. um also in terms of relationships and dating Mm. i was making some quite unhealthy choices with the people i was choosing to be with Mm. um and pushing out people who were nice because i didn't want to be like emotionally intimate i didn't really want anyone to know what was happening Mm. so the fact that i'm now able to be more open about even just talking about okay I'm not feeling great or like I'm feeling anxious is huge and it does have a massive effect because it also means I'm able to ask for help when I need it Mm. because before if I was feeling depressed or anxious or you know deeply fearful of stuff I would just try to deal with it on my own and cut everyone else off now I do actually have people who will say okay how can I help you with that um do you need me to pick up certain tasks or shall we not go to this social thing or whatever Mm. just having actual support there and being able to ask for it is huge let's talk about boys yes let's talk about Chris are you all right how much well you I'm sure you'll tell me to fuck off when I uh, if I ask you too much about Chris don't worry okay good so um in terms of Chris um how do you feel generally about sort of the way that he supports you? Because like, the, the things that you were just saying sounds like you do have the kind of relationship where you now know how to ask for help. Is that the case? And if so, how do you ask for help? It's... I say that. I'm not great at it. There are definitely periods where I will feel low and not mention it to him. But he is quite good at noticing Um, And when I do actually ask for help, he's very good at the practical side of things of, well, what will actually help you in this situation? Mm -hmm. And a lot of times it will just be like, I just need to sleep and be on my own for a bit. Or it will be, okay, can you just cook dinner and deal with this? Or just venting about stuff. He's very, like, what's the word? unflappable Mm -hmm. like I know if I tell him I'm upset or I'm panicking he won't freak out Mm. and that for me is a really big thing about safety Mm. because I think even with my parents I didn't want to tell them what was happening because I knew that they would worry yeah whereas with Chris he might be worried but he doesn't show me Mm -hmm. so he's a more kind of stable person Mm. but also the biggest way he supports me is just being a decent guy like before Chris I was dating people who were not treating me in a nice way (laughs) and because I was in a bad mental state I just accepted that Mm. now I'm actually with someone who's nice to me and that's like mind-blowing but that's a it's a huge thing like if you think that you're awful and the people around you are treating you like you're trash that's going to reinforce that and you're going to feel like trash now I actually have someone who's like no they treat me like a person worth respecting so I treat myself in that way as well that's a massive deal Mm. Um, has Chris seen you have a panic attack? No. I'm still very good at running. <laughs> like, okay. If I am in the midst of a panic attack, I will run to a toilet. Mm. Um, he's seen me in the immediate aftermath of one, and he's been very good about it, um, but he's never actually seen me during, ever. You see, when you've talked about your panic attacks, it does sound like they're, they almost seem like quite a private thing, like you know how to manage them. Yeah. But do you mind sort of just explaining just physically like what you do, where you go? Is that all right? Yeah. So essentially, they will come on very suddenly, sometimes with warning because I can feel myself getting anxious, sometimes not at all. 
I will feel my heart going really fast and I'll be struggling to breathe. The second I feel that, I will get up and bolt, usually to a toilet. And normally, wherever I am, I will have an escape route of where I can go mm-hmm. and know that, okay, I can, I can get out of this situation because... I'm easily embarrassed. I don't want people to see me having that panic attack. Okay. Um, so, yeah, usually we'll go straight to a toilet, sit down, lock the cubicle door, and I know that I just need to focus on breathing. So I'll just literally have to force myself to do deep breaths in, deep breaths out, and just wait for it to pass. Um, usually now, because I know about specific breathing techniques and like counting for this many breaths in and this many out um they're over really quickly before it used to be like absolutely freaking out just stuck in a toilet no idea what to do Mm. that doesn't happen anymore which is thanks to therapy basically Mm. how are you doing now in terms of those good i haven't had a panic attack in a few months i had a very stressful period of time from last august to about November, December, and I noticed OCD stuff and panic attacks and depression coming back up again. And that is because of general life stresses that are unavoidable. So I'm still kind of dealing with that and working out how to best look after myself and what I do if... I think a lot of... A big part of me kind of assume once I'm on medication it's fine it's kind of dealt with Mm. but the fact that sometimes those things can still come up I'm learning that I need something more like what happens if those things come up I'm already on medication I've tried therapy Mm. do I have other backup plans Mm. and that's something I'm still figuring out like I don't necessarily have a plan beyond talk to Chris and ask for help and possibly take time off work Mm. that would be it for me right now you mentioned that um, the private therapist that you saw wouldn't give you a diagnosis. Have you yeah. actually had a diagnosis? Since then, yes. So I did go back to the GP and was like, can you just diagnose me? And he said, yeah, that's OCD and depression and anxiety. Mm. I said, cool. Thank you feel, you. Did you feel better? Yeah, 100%. Why it, is that? I think it just gave me a bit more confidence that I wasn't just being dramatic if that makes sense like I think a lot of the time I was like oh I'm just being ridiculous like I can't complain about this it's just standard stuff or even like feeling like I was making it up um or it wasn't real and just having an actual medical professional say no what you're feeling is real and there's a name for it um was huge and also it just means that I can look up other uh, articles and research and see what's helping other people with that specific condition and sometimes it will help me but yeah it's a, it's a huge thing I think being able to explain a lot of my behaviour and fears with a specific term I think it's just helpful to help me kind of categorise and go okay this isn't me being weird or crazy this is OCD symptoms or this is depression or this is anxiety that's really helpful for me mm. So obviously we already talked about your Getting Better series. Yes. Um, when that came out and you started writing that, um, how did your friends and family react and what sort of relationship do you have with them now in mm. terms of mental health? So friends were really good. Um, a lot of them also said, I've experienced this too. Can't believe we haven't spoken about it. And I would say in general that all of my relationships with people got so much better. Like, even at work, I was suddenly talking to people and they would say, like, oh, you know, I'm on antidepressants. Would have never known that. It's Mm. just about suddenly you're more honest and open with people. Um, It completely breaks down any kind of wall that I had with everyone in my life. With my parents, that, you know, that relationship has completely changed because... I'm not keeping such a massive thing secret from them. Mm. But also, as part of that series, for Mother's Day, I had a massive sit-down chat with my mum. And I basically, we spoke about everything that had happened, all the stuff that I'd kept secret. Um, And that was huge. Like, actually, I think it ended up being 12,000 words, and then I had to cut it down to, like, 3,000 but just hearing what she had been going through at that time, but also knowing that she now knows I was having a tough time as well, um, knowing that she understands that we have stuff in common, it completely changes things. And now I know that 
if I am ever in complete crisis mode, I know that I can talk to her and she'll get it. She'll understand what's happening. Mm. And going back to Chris, mm. I still like that we haven't talked enough about boys. Yeah, go ahead. Um, so has he seen you sort of at your worst in terms of the OCD and how has he reacted? Yes, he's definitely seen me checking things and um, I've been vocal about I'm really scared about this thing happening or that kind of thing. But it's it's difficult to see it because so much of it is in my head. And also a lot of it is is kind of deliberately that he won't see. Mm. Um, so in terms of OCD, a lot of my checking behaviours, I'm able to do furtively. Like, I can just be like, oh, no, I'm just making tea, and then I'm actually checking things. Mm. Um, but he will become aware of it if I'm saying stuff like, um, is that switch turned off? Are you sure you've locked the door? Can you go and check? And sometimes what's helpful is that he will check, and now I can trust that he's done it better than I can trust myself to do it, if that makes sense. Because I think OCD makes you doubt your own actions and your own memories. You think, oh, I didn't really lock the door. Or actually, no, like, I did leave my hair curling iron on. But actually having another person confirm, no, you didn't. Or, like, the switch is off. Trust me, I'm in my right mind. That's really helpful. Mm. How have you find it, found it sort of over the process of mentally yours... Because obviously we started nearly two years ago now and that was, in terms of your own mental health journey, that things have sort of changed quite a lot. Mm -hmm. Have there been any sort of standout moments with like other guests with OCD or things that have happened? Yes, there was a chat, I think in the first few months, we had with Sally, who works for Metro, and she has Pure O. And a lot of what she was saying was resonating with me uh, quite strongly um, and I, remember, I think I remember going home and crying about that actually because I was like oh fuck like this is quite a serious thing that I'm relating this hard to it and I think that was also must have been when I went either when I then went for private therapy or when I went back to the doctor and asked for diagnosis it definitely confirmed that there was something wrong and it was what I thought it was because that was still in the period where I was like is there really Am I really having OCD or am I just being weird or whatever? Um, that's massive. But also every time we hear guests talking about anything that resonates is difficult. Like it's very hard to hear your kind of own worst thoughts said by someone else. And also you having a bit of distance from them and going, well, that's, that's insane. Like, I hear a lot of times people will come on the show and be like, oh, I'm, I'm working really hard, but, like, it's fine, or I wish I was doing more. Like, you just said, I wish I was doing more. And it's like, you're being crazy. Like, <laughs> what? <laughs> and you want to shake them. And then I think, but I think that all the time. Like, surely I should be, you know, shaking myself. If I'm that, if I'm having that reaction to other people, mm. it makes me question what I'm doing a lot more as well. Mm. Um and also just hearing people saying, you know, I have all of these techniques in place has made me kind of question, well, what, what do I actually have? If I'm on the receiving end of the same questions I'm asking, am I prepared? Am I doing everything that I can to make sure that I'm okay? Um, yeah, that's been, it's been really interesting. And it does make, it forces you to reflect on yourself a bit, I think, hearing other people's stories. Yeah, absolutely. In terms of going forward, because mm -hmm. um, like I say, I've, I do really admire the fact that you've started talking about your mental health, that what, for me, I, I mean, I wouldn't have been able to, I don't think, at your age. Um, what are your hopes now for the future in terms of mental health writing? Are you hoping to do more of it, or are you basically just hoping to kind of branch out in terms of other stuff in journalism? Because obviously you write a lot about sex as well. I do. So, yeah. And vaginas. <laughs> um, basically, for me, with mental health journalism, my priority is very much not on myself. I did a year of very personal mental health writing. Now I want to do more campaigning and exploring people that are in much worse situations than I was. I think there's a real value in those personal things because if it weren't for a personal story about OCD, I wouldn't have got help for OCD. Um, even way back when I was in my teens, I read an article about depression. I was like, this is 
huge for me those stories definitely have their place and if I ever have something absolutely pressing to share I would but I think I've kind of done that now like I've said what I needed to say I'm still helping people by doing that I still get messages saying thank you for writing this which is amazing but I now want to actually affect change like it's ridiculous that you have to wait months for therapy it's absurd that there are people who are really severely struggling and are facing you know discrimination at work uh extreme stigma um and not getting not being able to get the help that they need so that's what i want to work on more i want to share other people's stories and actually make change happen i think that a lot of the change in the last few years has been cultural and that's still happening like when we started mentally yours mental health wasn't really spoken about that much now it is so frequently spoken about which is amazing and there's been a massive cultural shift in like reducing the stigma but the next step is okay we've done we're still in the process but we've done the bulk of that now what's the next thing how do we actually get concrete change mm. make sure that people are treated in the way that they should be treated and also uh, for me personally i think our overall culture might need to change in terms of us being more open about mental health uh particularly work culture yeah definitely. so we know that people are depressed we know that there's loneliness what are we going to do about it beyond just talking about it we've done the talking now what's next and that's i think what i want to be part of now so this is goodbye from mentally If you've been affected by any of the issues we've been chatting about today, please give the Samaritans a ring. They're on 116123. You can also find them online at samaritans.org. If you'd like to chat with us, we have a Facebook group called Mentally Yours. You can search for it. We also have a Twitter at Mentally Yours, your spelt Y-R-S. Thanks very much to Sam Bonham, our producer, and to Lucy Baker for our jingles. See you next week. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.